Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to ball watching officially the off season for us. Uh, we are bringing you all the first, I'm not going to call it first episode of our next season. We're still, I think in the 2023 mode here, Justin, we're kind of going to do a little bit of some time spending on the season overall um, and look at some of how our expectations panned out, which we did plenty of prior to the season. We're going to go into a little bit of uh, a MLS cup update uh, outside of our elimination. We're going to talk about us men's national team. They have some games coming up here as well. Uh, so a couple other topics to get to, but we have one very important topic, Justin, to start off with here. And that is going to focus on a really, really neat event uh, that we, I think, have teased a couple of times here, but uh, one that we are very proud of and super excited for coming up here. So breaking news um, for you all listening here on pod, on video, whatever format you choose, we have planned an event, a holiday-themed fundraiser um, called Hope for the Holidays, presented by us here at Ball Watching. It is going to be on Monday, December 11th, from 6 to 9 p.m. And it will be taking place at our lovely sponsors, uh, The Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern, which I'm sure you've all been to. Um, and this will this will be a ticketed event. Uh, and it's going to be one that you'll get uh, a plenty, plenty of perks for. There's going to be uh, raffles. There's going to be food. There's going to be drinks. There's going to be a presentation from our beneficiary, uh, which is BJC Foundation, specifically the Head Neck Cancer Fund. Um, so we'll have the the chief head and neck cancer surgeon um, doing a quick presentation there and some Q&A for you all, as well as the feature presentation, which will be uh, our an actual roundtable interview with some St. Louis athletes. Um, so to be announced on who that is, we have some exciting things in the work here. Um, we know you all love the interviews that we do. So I'm super excited for that. I think it's going to be a heck of an event and we would love for you all to be there. So how do you get in? How do you get tickets for it? Um, it is going to be a public go live sale uh, using Eventbrite. I'm sure a lot of you all have seen Eventbrite um, that will go live at noon on Wednesday, this Wednesday, uh, 12, 15, uh, sorry, 11, 15. Um, so, uh, November 15th, Wednesday, this coming Wednesday at 12 PM central, you can go on, we'll put the link out there and you guys can buy tickets to this event. Uh, obviously we only have a certain amount, uh, that we are able to sell due to occupancy and other types of things, fire code for the pitch. Um, but would love, love to see you all there. Obviously it's all for a good cause. We're looking to raise a ton of money, um, for BJC Foundation and our friends there. So um, wanted to start with uh, some awesome news there and make sure that you all were aware of uh, what's going on with Hope for the Holidays. It's, it's, our, it's our baby. It's our child, Justin. Justin, I know, you, I know you had some Wi-Fi issues here, but I was just able to uh, give everyone a little bit of a glimpse into Hope for the Holidays. But tell, tell the people a little bit here what you're most excited about. Yeah, sorry about that. I thought for sure I texted you too. I thought it was your Wi-Fi. Um, and I just restarted my computer. But what am I most excited about for Hope for the Holidays? And I, obviously, I, you probably did some teasers on this, but some of the guests that we're going to have. And honestly, I just love the holiday season. Um, I, being back in the pitch, they've been so gracious to us and helping us out with this as well. I could not be more pumped for this event. Um, I would say I feel like we've relatively cheap for all-inclusive for three hours. So 80 bucks um, is going to be an awesome night. And just being there with like your friends, family, everybody, and then with some of these uh, some of these local celebs we talk about uh, that we'll probably drop names on later on who we're trying to get and bring to. Uh, but overall, just really pumped for that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So like Justin said, it'll be $80 tickets. Some of you are probably like, oh, that seems kind of expensive. It's really not, I promise you, when it all comes down to it, we try to keep it as open as possible to reach as many of you as possible. Um, they're all inclusive, food, drink, entertainment. You, you Obviously, uh, we, we can all hopefully meet you all and have conversations that aren't behind a virtual screen. Um, so we're very excited for that. It's going to be a heck of an event, um, but we'll, we'll blast that flyer and a bunch more news on that um, starting from here on out. But look out, Wednesday at noon, this coming Wednesday, this will be a live sale, and we'll make sure that you all have access to that link. Um, and you can go acquire your tickets. So that's hope for the holidays. Quite a way to start here, Justin. Um, but let's, before we get into the MLS and to city specifically, one more news on the soccer front uh, for all of you um, U.S. fans or just big fans of soccer here in the United States. Um, we do have some meaningful games coming up uh, here. We're actually doing a home and away um, against Trinidad and Tobago. 
starting on this Thursday. Um, so obviously we're two time defending champs now of the CONCACAF Nations League. Uh, and we are now in a two way uh, tie, like I said, for them, two way tie being not not like a tie, a score tie, but more of a, a match uh, with Trinidad and Tobago. Um, and that will have the first installment on this Thursday, November 16th, um, taking place at 8 p.m. And that will be on Max, TNT, Peacock. It's so weird how where all these games stream now. I don't, I don't love it to be totally honest. And then the the next leg that'll be a home leg at, in Austin. Then the second one will be four days later um, in Trinidad and Tobago uh, at 6 p.m. Central um, on all those same networks. So if we win, Justin, we've got some stuff at stake here. If we win, um, this is I think the quarterfinals of this tournament. We obviously advance and then go on to the semis. But if we win, we also qualify automatically for the Copa America which for anyone that doesn't know, we talked about it here. It's South America's biggest international tournament they have. It's, it's, their, it's their World Cup in South America. It's, it's being hosted here in the States next summer. It's going to be fantastic. I worked the one that was back in 2016. Um, obviously, you see Argentina and Chile and some amazing Brazil, some awesome teams. Um, so we will actually be able to qualify into that if we win. It's kind of insane, Jake. I just went and looked at the odds. Um not that I bet or anything. If you if you want to bet on the U.S. to win, twenty five dollars wins you a dollar. Um, we are minus two thousand five hundred in this game. We we're big fans of double chance here on ball watching as well. You just bet two hundred dollars to win a single dollar for us to tie or win this game. So it should be an absolute blowout, even without pulsing them way up. Yeah, which is a bummer. We're missing them, but obviously it gives you know more minutes to some guys that are looking and rearing for an opportunity. Um, so Greg Berhalter is back in some meaningful games. So we'll see how how Greggy G does uh, in this one. It should be quite interesting, and we're defending champs of the tournament. Um, so go catch the men's national team on Thursday. And let's get into MLS Cup, Justin. So just because we're out, you know, we, we committed to it, and uh, we're definitely staying close to it as well. Um, Obviously, with a little bit of space, you know, given we don't have as much to uh, to claim anymore, given that City is out. Um, but we are heading into the, the conference semifinals, um, obviously, in a couple of weeks because they're in an international break just slammed right in the middle of this tournament. Uh, but we have qualified uh, seven of those eight teams uh, as of this recording. Um, so we have SKC is going to Houston. So Houston will be hosting that game. Uh, we have LAFC going to Seattle. LAFC, that losing uh, the seeding to Seattle is looking like it might hurt them now in the tournament here. So that blows. Um, Seattle, we'll talk about it in a second here, but that's interesting. Cincy hosting Philadelphia. And to be determined, my guess, because this game hasn't been played yet, it's playing tonight, um, is going to be Columbus is my pick um, to move on and, and match up against Orlando. Yeah, we just came back from a wedding in Chicago, uh, so I had a five-hour drive to think about all the bets that I wanted to place, uh, and I took Columbus Moneyline tonight. Absolutely. Patrick Schulte and goal there for those guys. I think they're going to come out with that. And yeah, big thing, before we get into the details of them, absolutely massive that uh, for Seattle to get that seating um, ahead of LAFC, because one, that is a, an extremely difficult place to play, and two, you're at home on turf, and I think that's very specific to some of these teams, and obviously LA plays on grass, so... Um, I think it's massive for Jordan Morrison team um, up there in Seattle to be hosting that game versus Dennis Bowanga. Absolutely. No, I agree. And also recognize so far, I mean, assuming if Columbus wins tonight, then the narrative is the only one team that lost their seating and that the only underdog that came out of this round one was sporting. Um, and they were obviously the lowest seed after the wild card. Um, so no, no big upsets in round one yet, but I will say the the level of parity between these seedings it's so close. Like a you know a two versus seven, I feel like is really really close for us. Like some of these series were pretty tight, so we'll we'll get into it here in a second. But um, so Sporting Houston, not going to talk much about Sporting. You guys know all about them from um, our round one. Not much going on new besides Indembe, um, so the left back that scored his first two professional goals in the MLS. Um, obviously, was a huge thorn in our match. A match is. Uh, with them uh, he went down injured in game two he tore his acl um, so he is out obviously the rest of this tournament probably a good chunk of next year as well um, but i know they've really been working on how they speed up those recoveries justin you've you've had your own um there but um sporting definitely hamstrung a bit by that injury news but they're facing off against houston who i think is a dark horse for me in this tournament we we obviously played them pretty tight um, in our second match with them, but uh, they continued their renaissance uh, in, in advancing uh, under their, their head coach, Ben Olsen, took down RSL in a pen penalty kick shootout. It was a 1-1 draw. 
going into regulation. And they also had a shootout in the game prior um, in match two where they lost that in a nail biter as well. So, I mean, you talk about proponents for this, you know, best of three, like that was a really interesting and cool matchup to watch because both those teams, you know, really grounded, like grinded at, at this, at this game. They really wanted to advance. Um, but I think the dynamo, man, they're just a good team, you know, well-oiled fluid dynamic. Yeah, that really sucks for Ndembe. So, like you mentioned, thank you for bringing it up. I have torn both of my ACLs, um, and either in both of my legs. Um, I would say it. I would say typically, if you're not a professional athlete, nine months is almost like your typical spot. I bet he's back in seven. But like you said, that would probably put him into what April, um, April or May next year. At so least. he'll definitely miss the first chunk of the season. Um, and then I will say for Houston specifically, they are eleven two and four at home, which I believe is actually yes, it is the second best third best home team in the league behind Cincinnati and um, New England um, so them having to go there without Ndembe is going to be extremely tough for Sporting Kansas City yeah I agree and like Hector Herrera has been incredible uh, this season they just look like they know what they're doing they look comfortable uh, as well I think Ben Olsen's done a fantastic job with them using his spirit his experience from DC United um, and it's been a big turnaround they, they missed the playoffs the last five seasons and now I feel like they have a legit shot to at least get into the conference finals which is something not only they would have said going into this season so um, I, I I definitely think that they could dunce Kansas City um, they they have everything going for them uh, obviously Casey's got some more of the negativity around the injury news but uh, and obviously going away is never going to be easy you know in a one leg match remember for anyone watching now there's no more best of three there's no more home and away it's just one leg and it's the higher seed hosting so they get one chance and third I, I talked about how good they are at home Houston away Three, nine, and five. 17 games. You told them beginning of the season you would only win three of your away games. There's no chance you even think that they'd make the playoffs, much less have the four seeds. So them playing at home is going to be absolutely huge for them. And then another sumptuous matchup in the West uh, in the other conference semifinal. What does that is, mean? Is, is, uh, sumptuous? Justin. Yeah. Mouthwatering. You know, you're, 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 it's okay. appetizing. You're looking forward to it. Um, okay. Welcome, welcome to Dictionary with Jake. Yeah, um, we're, I mean, we're still trying to expand our vocabulary. Don't be mean. Don't be mean. We are. Jack. We are. Did we already mention about? Yeah. So we just came back from a wedding. We talked about Jake's alter ego, Jack. Did anybody see that in our story or our post? That man was out and about last night. Yeah, he, he was having he was having some fun. I, I I we're actually blending the two personalities though. I think they're really just the same person. Uh, <laughs> it depends on who's who's looking at him though. Sorry, um, I got us off track. Keep going. <laughs> going on to the next match, Battle of the Heavyweights, LAFC and Seattle. This one is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait for this game. Uh, LAFC, we know all too well. I feel like their offense is usually the star of the show, but defense is really what got them through in the second match. They put the clamps down, uh, and they were able to, I, re- I think, really navigate the Whitecaps pretty well, uh, and they really only had to, had to count on a penalty on the 24th minute to get them through the away leg, um, and they got a shutout there. So uh, it was a very experienced-type match for them. Like They handled it very, very well. Their only other game winning 1-0 this season, uh, they only had one, and that was in June. Um, so this is not a team that you know has those really tight affairs. They play super open, but they manage this one super well. And Seattle, on the flip side, I mean, the playoffs are all about survival. Seattle's kind of on their swan song of this current roster of guys that are all kind of on uh, the upper limits of the, I'd say, the prime playing years. And we already know some guys are not going to be back next year, like Nico Ladero. Um, so they're playing with everything, you know, all their heart in the in this playoff uh, installment. So um, very, very resilient uh, team. Uh, they... Dallas gave him gave him hell for sure, especially in in the second match. Um, but they were also just shorthanded, man. I mean, they were missing Ferreira, they're missing Alan Velasco. Um, they only had one shot in the entirety of that second game. Um, so Seattle just kind of navigated this one super well, I think. And I was always expecting them to get through into this stage, but now hosting LAFC. If they were going away to LAFC, I think it's curtains on Seattle. But with all the emotions and everything else going around, I feel like Seattle is probably the favorite in this game. Uh, yeah, I would assume so, honestly. But what's kind of nuts, Jake, I was looking at, so lines are not out yet because of the stupid international break that we have coming up and they don't play for what, like two weeks? Yep. Um, but LAFC is the second highest or second best odds to win the cup still at, at plus 275. The Sounders are plus 800. There might be a little bit of 
a little bit of thought there. I'm taking the Sounders. Yeah, you talk about know-how too. I know LAFC just won. They're, they're the defending champions right now. So they have some know-how as well. But I feel like Seattle's just those guys have been in Seattle for years now. And they've been to the stage in the tournament and they know how to um, you know, work their way around it and, and work their way through matches that may not be um, you know, their plan A. So I, I have confidence in Seattle in this matchup too, but it should be very interesting. So the West has got two great matches, I would say. East, Cincy and Philly are in the first conference semifinal. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about Cincy outside of game one. They absolutely just worked it. They were fantastic. And then game two was totally different. 38 fouls, Justin, in game two um, in getting into this. That was the Red Bull game uh, where – Popular story here. Uh, we, we talk about Matt Miazga. So long story short, game two of uh, Cincinnati won, uh, won on PKs, 8-7. Uh, but not before there was so much trauma. One in the game, super physical, crunching tackles. It was fun to watch. But Matt Miazga made highlights for an idiotic move, I would say. Uh, but also I found a really interesting rule here. So long story short, he picked up a first yellow uh, for something he said to the referee right after full-time whistle. Um, and the full-time whistle then brought them into PKs. So he gets a, he gets a yellow, not even for anything in the sporting department. Um, and then that was for disagreeing with it, a goal that would have been uh, that ended up getting ruled out and then going into PKs for. Um, and then after he scored his PK and they won in PKs, he ran to the Red Bull supporter section and made like the heart kind of just mocked them and obviously he got the works i mean they they threw a ton of stuff at him and like i i don't ever condone that but i mean that guy if anyone deserves it it was him i think i saw the stat he's gotten like 11 12 yellows this season and three of them have been for like actual challenges and fouls so we know what this guy's about but just we talk about rules the last thing i'll say on this and I'll, I'll let you speak up here is there was a 2020 change to the laws of the game and they said that cautions received during a shootout do not apply towards those received during that match. So he got two yellow cards in that match and he will sit out a game because of accumulation, but he didn't get a collective red in that match because he received one at the end of full time, which would count towards a match and one in shootouts, which does not count towards a match. Did you know that? It's pretty interesting. No, I feel like that's an extremely like MLS specific type of yeah. rule too. Like something that we, we would not hear a lot about. And the one thing I'm going to note on this too, Jake, you kind of said like long story short, they won the game. Absolutely didn't even mention that Tom Barlow, St. Louis native, was the reason that the game was tied and went to PK. So great for Tom there, um, scored in the 45th. Um, and yeah, Matt Miazga, absolute loser. Um, and so if you actually think about, and maybe I have a little bit of an opinion on this because lost to him in the national final, he was in the Red Bull Academy. So that's why yeah. people were like, oh, and he went over like this and like mocking them. They're like, no, that's not him. Like he, some people were saying like, oh, he was actually like being polite, like giving him the heart. It's like, no, this guy is just being an, absolute loser and going up to the fans that what brought him up through the whole yeah. program. It's like, what are you doing, buddy? And just even coach mentioned it. Like the fact that you said that he's gotten 11 yellows, but only three of them are actual for like tackles. That's just embarrassing. Like yeah. grow up. You, I can't get over this. <laughs> hey, good catch. Good catch there. No, but I agree. And I think Noonan also kind of said something just short of that as well. Like just he's defend, he's defender of the year this year. He won that award and they're now without him heading into a crucial match all because of him you know doing the antics like i get it too if you it, and he by the way i don't think he would have been shown a card if it was just like a one and done like running by like a quick heart and i think that that's fair still kind of an a-hole move but he went back for it and then back for more and he just doubled down on it i'm like dude don't be that much of a of an a-hole so he was and he will pay the price yeah, just literally extremely immature and it's absurd like imagine phil if uh if, if since he ends up going oh. Down. and like if they lose like just i mean like and you have to be on the bench watching this like you are just a child dude i can't get over it i was just i'm almost embarrassed for the guy i don't really understand how you can do that as a professional athlete and like you know that i like to talk a lot of crap and obviously i do it on the podcast as well i'm like into games but there's a limit you got to know where to stop and he obviously does not know that yep cross the line they have injuries on the back line too so we'll see what ends up happening with them uh, but it could make it for an interesting match against philadelphia um and i have philadelphia i just want to talk really quickly about here about jack mcglynn um, he's an American. Uh, he is 20 years old, and he has been nothing short of a beast um, for this team. A huge cog in their system. Um, in the in their their clinching victory to send the conference of uh, semifinals, he whipped in a low, really great free kick that was redirected in by his teammate Chris Donovan um, in the 79th minute, and that proved the proved to be the eventual winner um, against a 10-man New England side, uh, 1-0 
at Gillette. So they did that in the away game. And McGlynn, I mean, he was named number seven in this year's 22 under 22 um, list of you know the best MLS players. He's one of those guys. He's a central midfielder, very creative, uh, very, very reliable holding midfielder. And I'd say he kind of has some elements of Blum in his game. Like he's that holding guy, but he can also that final pass just just in the playoffs. He's got two goals and two assists um, for a kid that's 20 years old, um, played 1600 regular season minutes. What a year for him emerging as a key player for a good system uh, that Jim Curtin, head coach of Philadelphia runs. Um, so I'm excited to tap him and, and watch his performance and see if, you know, this is a springboard for him to move to the next you know phase of his career. Obviously, he's an American. I take a lot more stock in that. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say there's two guys that you have to really think about when you look at this Philly team, which is a very strong team. They have a two-headed, almost three-headed monster up top. When you look at, I'm going to get this wrong, Karzan, Kara, Karza and Gazdag, they each have 14 goals this year. And one of them, and Gazdag has 11 assists. And then you talk about you um, for the other guy, they have nine goals. So three guys up top with basically just actually turning the wheels for these guys. And then, I mean, they got they also have some, um, some experienced guys too, like uh Badoya and a couple of these other guys we look down the list is a very strong team um and I will say that it's not going to be an easy easy like just walk uh well I was going to say walk in the cake uh walk in the park I was going to say like easy, walk in easy, the cake eat the cake walk in the park mixed them up um but no this is gonna be a tough game for Cincy and I'm actually this is going to be one of the ones that I'm extremely excited to watch as well and this one also was in headlines too. It's yeah, it's Carranza and Gazdag, and uh, yeah, those have been their yeah, they're, they're beastly forwards this season. And um, obviously, obviously, actually, Gazdag is more of a midfielder, but uh, they were in the news for not great reasons as well because Kai Wagner uh, or Kai Wagner uh, is a uh, a fullback for them, and he uttered a racial slur at Bobby Wood, deep cut for U.S. men's national team as well. Um, but he used it on field during the match. Um, they stopped the game briefly. The, ref, the referee didn't end up doing anything about it live. Um, after being reported, MLS investigated, and he suspended three matches now. Um, so likely curtains for the rest of the season for him uh, as well, even if they are to advance here. So uh, another just instance of idiots. Like, well, I mean, for that's a whole other thing obviously, but what what does it take to treat yourself and your teammates and the league and your profession um, like a professional? Like, And obviously, there's a whole other human element of that as well that I won't get into here, but um, unbelievable for a key player for them to go down in that manner. It makes Miazga look a lot better. I mean, honestly, it does. It does. Like, Miazga stuff was, like, childish. There's absolutely no room for racism whatsoever. I think that's extremely immature and not, not just childish, but that's just it's, that's so inappropriate. Like, I wouldn't even want that guy to be on my team. You can't back a guy for doing something like that. And I just I, that one I don't even want. Like you said, I don't want to yeah. touch on that. That's just absurd. And the final leg of conference semis is going to be the winner of Columbus Atlanta, which has not been played yet. According to our time of recording, thinking it's Columbus uh, and then Orlando and Orlando has just proven to be a team that not many people talked about, I would say, in terms of contending this year. Obviously, we struggled in our match against them, um, and they dispatched Nashville in round one. Uh, super cagey um, series. They were both very, very tight affairs in both those games, but they got it done too. Um, and I feel like so much talk was around Cincy and even our season uh, around success, and they kind of flew under the radar. They have a club record high, 63 points they finished on this season, second in the Supporter Shield race. Uh, and just three regular se- and lost only three regular season games since May, dude. They have 14 wins, three losses, and seven draws in that time. So they've been stellar, absolutely stellar in the run-in. And I feel like this team is also a little bit of a dark horse on the eastern side to really push Cincy if they can make it by Columbus or Atlanta. And it's kind of insane to like you keep saying dark horse, and like it's absurd that we say that like seconds porter shield and all yeah. that, and, like literally second and like Obviously, the East was way stronger in the West this year, but they are. Like, no one's really talking about Orlando, which is kind of surprising with how well they've done this year. Um, looking at Duncan McGuire, Fernando Torres, 14 goals, 13 goals for each of those guys. Obviously, a two-headed monster up top. Extremely strong team. And, I, yeah, if I'm Columbus or Atlanta, Orlando is not a team that I want to be playing right now. I just think they're extremely strong through and through. Obviously, we gave them a good battle uh, throughout the regular season, but I completely agree. I would say, if, like, all, when I'm thinking about, like, the MLS Cup, and all these other things. I'm like, Orlando is not even one of the teams like I'm checking on to see how they're doing. I'm thinking LASC. Yeah. I'm thinking Cincy. I'm thinking Seattle. I, I'm not even thinking about Orlando. But, yeah, they finished second overall in the whole season. 
very strong team. And I would say it's, it's insane to think about them as a dark horse, but they are. And keep in mind too, Justin, because you explained this on the last couple episodes is that if they advance to the conference finals and they're able to dispatch the winner of Cincy's series, which I think will be Cincy in this case, um, they will actually be able to host if the, the final, the MLS cup, if they make it there, uh, because they have to walk by Cincy, who has the only team that has more points than them in Supporter Shield. So they could be on their way to hosting a MLS Cup final, uh, which would be incredible um, for the city. So uh, big, big, big ears, uh, you know, being paid attention to Orlando. Um, obviously, it's not going to be easy, though. Winner of Columbus or Atlanta, both have been um, pretty solid sides as well this season. So how does this close out for you all? We're on a little two-week hiatus after today. Uh, for the international break and the conference semifinals and finals will resume November 25th through December 3rd, followed up by the MLS cup, the actual final on December 9th. So really Justin, we're looking at we're within a month of the close of the 2023 season. And it has been quite a year, but I think a lot of drama still yet to unfold. Oh, so much. I would say for people that, yeah, and I think you put it out on our Twitter poll. What are, what were the actual percentages? I'm putting you on the spot. I can pull it up. Yeah. Too. yeah, yeah like no. That are going to follow and like watch the rest of this. I don't know how you don't like it just because we're out does not mean that you should just turn this off. Like this is going to be some exciting and very high talent soccer coming up in these next couple of weeks. I know we have to two week break or so, but look at these matchups. We just like you said, what was the word that you used for mouthwatering? Sumptuous. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm not That's even going to try to say it. Um, I mean, like we talk about this, like sporting Kansas city. Yes. they And I would hate another game, but they are hot right now. I'm going to a Houston team. That's extremely strong at home. LAFC and Seattle are two of the strongest teams now, or the two strongest teams left coming out of the West with us out. Cincy, or sorry, Cincy, Philadelphia. Wow. Uh, Cincy, Philly is going to be a great matchup. And then I do think it's going to be Columbus versus Orlando. And this. I think we might have lost you, Justin. So um, I get what you're saying, by the way. Uh, for, for I'm back. You're back? Okay. I was going to say, we're struggling on the technical side today promise this is not going to be usual we're also struggling mentally today like justin said we just had uh, a wedding this weekend and you can you can clearly tell that the uh the cranberry vodkas the beers they're they're getting their way in down in the brains um for this one but we also kind of had to wash away the sorrows from this season so you really can't you know look down on us too much for that no i don't know what's going on with my wi-fi dude it says i have five bars but i keep going in and out so i apologize all good all good so justin let's get into our sponsors before we get into the the seat the city season part uh, of this um, show here and a lot more to come still but uh, obviously we, we talked about the pitch because of hope for the holidays which we're planning um, they've been such gracious and awesome partners of ours and, and sponsors and uh, it will be there and you know, i just want to say i know we all had so much fun there throughout this entire you know inaugural season um, but like i said in the last podcast they don't go away just because it's not soccer anymore so blues games blues are rolling they just thrashed colorado last night um, obviously a great place to go watch those mizzou is flying as well slew basketball's back on i mean a lot of good sports still you watch and it's still a great sports bar a lot of cool soccer memorabilia don't get me wrong um but it's much more than just that and i would say especially this time of year like it's that cozy vibe you want to sit on a couch it's nice and warm inside the pitch you could literally change the channel anytime you want because they have ipads on the wall this place is slick get there if you haven't gotten there before or just go just in general even if you have like we'll be there all the time watching slu mizzou everything else sports anything that's going on right now I love going to the pitch. Obviously, I don't think I need to touch any more on that. Still frozen co- uh, frozen Irish coffee time. I don't care if it's cold outside. It's warm inside there. Get a frozen Irish coffee. And then, obviously, one of my favorites, Luis Monta and Soul Juice. Get Soul Juice. If you haven't tried it, I don't know how you haven't if you listen to us. Go to souljuice.com. Use code BALLWATCHING for 20% off. You can also go to Deerberg's or Sam's, opening up and some other stores as well coming up. This stuff is life-saving. I will say I've already had two today after the night that I had with Jack last time so i would say if you haven't had it go get it and if you have re-up restock and go get some more absolutely okay justin let's let's get into the the meat and potatoes of this one here the uh the city season and i'm gonna keep it similar to how we usually do recaps so by the way we're talking 2023 season recap not talking the pivot to like the future yet we're definitely gonna do that um you know about roster acquisitions and where do we need to fill holes about we're gonna review we're just reviewing on this one. So let's talk about the season highlights, lowlights, get into um, player ratings and that kind of thing here. So Justin, let me start off. Let, let's start in the positives. What did we see this season? Broad themes that we were pretty excited about um, throughout the entirety of this opening season. Uh, I would say the, the first thing for me 
going into this is around system. Um, I think our system was put on display. It was put to the test, this energy drink soccer. Uh, and it was, I think for the most part, pretty effective. Uh, we shocked a lot of teams early on. And I think it took a while for teams to adjust to us, to develop blueprints and plan Bs to uh, navigate around how we play. But we were pretty relentless with the system. And I think it's one that we're going to build on uh, for years to come. So I think we've got a great foundation in terms of system. Um, I thought overall the, the the team spirit, the team chemistry and how they came together being an expansion team was also pretty impressive um, as we started this season, because you think about expansion teams, these are guys kind of transplants all from different teams and from different backgrounds and walks of life. And you put them all in the field and you say, okay, go play together. You're now St. Louis city. Uh, I was really impressed. I thought for such little time, as much as we tried to prepare and we had MLS next pro obviously last year, what they were able to do in preseason and get off the ground so early on this season, I, I was very, very happy about. So um, system and overall kind of team spirit, camaraderie, chemistry are two big things for me. Um, and then I'll kind of caveat that with, um, I, obviously, it's another big thing when you think about uh, how we developed as well. Look at our team. Look at our roster, dude. I mean, we were, we're I think, second overall in the, in the bottom of how expensive our payroll is. What we're doing on that budget is incredible. We had guys from, we had, I think, five guys on the field simultaneously in a MLS Cup playoff game that played on MLS Next Pro last year. No other team can boast that. That's insane. The value we're getting from developing within is, I mean, probably a high bar to be set anywhere in the MLS right now. So I think we're off to a hell of a start from that perspective as well. So Justin, I've covered a couple things, um, but I want to hear some of your your biggest highlights and, and thoughts as you kind of look back on this season. And I apologize. I just gave up on my computer completely. We're going on the phone here. So we're just going straight at it. Um, I would say one of my highlights, Jake, is literally, one, doing this podcast with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a quick second and say, hey, this has been an unreal start for us. I mean, our season and everything else, but this has been an absolute blast for us. I would say uh, just being there all season, I think for uh, the biggest highlight, I would say that Cincy game at home, yes, we ended up getting out. We get, got bounced early in the playoffs, but like a big highlight for us is taking down the Sporter Shield uh, winners by what was it, four or five, nothing yeah. from that game and just being there in person. And like, I would say that. And then also another highlight just in general is the fans, the atmosphere, everything that they've done at City Park. That place has been blowing it out of the water every game. It's every time I get there, I get the chills, like thinking about like, wow, this is actually real. Look how many people actually care and support this team. And I would say, I know that's both of those are kind of like uh, wishy-washy highlights, but just feeling very lucky to have this team. No, I think so too. I, I, I love you brought up the, the atmosphere and the vibe. I think that was another one of mine that I, w- I hadn't even gotten to yet, but I think the atmosphere of city park and the home field advantage we created for the team, I thought was awesome. Year one, obviously you're seeing videos of our TIFOs and our supporters being shared around, um, I would say even globally, uh, we, we definitely made waves as a franchise so, so early on. Um, I would also say a little bit more on the sporting side here. So let's let's go into a little bit of that here, Justin. Goal output and efficiency. We talked about being ruthless. I know we complained a lot about it on individual games, but if you want to talk about a ruthless team, you cannot look much further than our, our team here. Because when you look at the percent uh, or basically the difference between what we were expected to score, so XG, versus our actual goal output this season, we were the second best in the Western Conference. Um, we basically, we, we, all that's to say is that our, our difference on our expected goal differential um, ended up being uh, a negative 7.5, um, which, which really just tells you, or seven, yeah, 7.5, which really just tells you the difference between expected goals and expected goals against. But when you look at expected goals versus goals for, dude, we outperformed the crap out of our expected stats. Um, so we, we were able to score a lot more than the stats actually gave us credit for. So kind of double-sided there, you know, we were significantly outperforming expectations, but a lot of that's also because we were just quality finishing um, as well and making a lot out of small, small opportunities. Um, so I thought that was a highlight, especially early on in the season. It felt like that we were just banging, banging whenever we could. And obviously, we finished real, extremely high. Talk about we always talk about like bulletin board material and all these guys. But if you look at it as well, it wasn't just that we finished first in the West as well. We had the second best goal differential in the entire MLS, um, only behind Columbus and um, and Cincy. Sorry, third best. And then we had the fourth most goals with sixty two. 
Are you talking about like just blowing stats out of the water and just the way that we started this season too? That's another highlight I'm going to say, Jake. One, we went to the first ever city game at Austin. If you haven't gone in a away game, oh. for, it's electric. And so just thinking about that and how we started this season, literally dream come true. I was really worried. I know we're going to talk about different sections of the season here in a little bit as well, but I was worried like, wow, we, we started this hot and we saying what all the people said and they were right when it came to the playoffs. It's like, this team has to come back down to earth at some point. I was so worried, like, oh, we won our first five games. We were just going to tank and then just not make the playoffs. Like, no, absolutely exceeded expectations in every single way you think about this first season. Yeah. Those are just some broad, I'd say, highlights. And that's definitely not, like, all there. And maybe we can layer some into as we continue to go. But I want to talk about some of the things that I saw and I you know deemed low lights, but really just areas of improvement, I think, for next season and things I think we can definitely work on. Um, one is games where there's a lot of pressure. Um, obviously we started this season. We are the underdogs. Everyone picked us basically last, um, maybe predicted a couple wins out of this team this year. And when you're in that position, when there's no one expecting anything of you, it's very easy to succeed. Um, and we did that. And then when we were clinching the number one seed, kind of after that, the wheels came off. And I think it was an, it was an element of this mentality of we've been, you know, looked down on for so long and now we've kind of reached the pinnacle of at least the Western conference uh, for a regular season. What's left. Uh, and I think we just kind of lost that dog mentality that we talked about a lot during the season. And um, when we played these pressure filled games where teams were the desperate ones and we weren't the desperate ones anymore, it felt like we couldn't regain that mentality. We couldn't match that level of intensity. And we saw that really come to life. I feel like a lot in the playoffs. Another thing we saw was, in-game management, specifically tactically, um, for me, I, I don't think we ever really found a true um, plan B, plan C, a way of playing that wasn't our bread and butter energy energy drink soccer or just kind of a slight modification of it that let us control games when we were maybe playing up, uh, that let us um, you know look at different players and lift different skill sets or just give teams a different look because they were very prepared to play against us towards the half to latter part of the season. Um, so... Those are a couple of mine, and I think they're things like I think we can definitely improve on, uh, but definitely lowlights for me as I look back on the season. I would say, yeah, my lowlight, just kind of general, how we finished out this season. There was after we beat Sporting Kansas City four to one, we just didn't play good games after that. We went, that's when we clinched. We went up to Vancouver, and we were obviously already clinched. So I understand we were like, and we were kind of making excuses, at least in my opinion, on the pod, like, oh, we we clinched, we're going to rotate the squad and all this. We like you said, the wheels came off. Like we lost to Vancouver three nothing. We lost to Seattle two nothing, and then we close out the season. We literally close out the season with four straight L's, and that's just not something. I I don't know if it's experience or what. We want to kind of put that on towards the end of the year, but it's not with how exciting we started and finishing first and like getting bounced in the first round. Not only just thinking about it from like a I know Kansas City's hot, but like a one versus an eight seed. That just doesn't usually happen in other sports, if you think about that. It's a little embarrassing, in my opinion, on the way that we did uh, go out. I just don't think we looked good in either of our games either. Um, and I feel like I was probably making excuses like, oh, we're we're going to bounce back on this one and like trying to stay positive. But looking at it, like ending the season with four straight L's, just not good whatsoever. Yeah, it's a, it's a bitter taste in the mouth. It's kind of a, a black eye on an otherwise great season. Uh, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I think some other things that we saw were – Injuries. Uh, obviously, we didn't get to play with Nilsson for most of the season. Uh, we basically didn't have Rasmus Alm for most of the season. Uh, we and there's other injuries. Obviously, we lost Klaus for a huge chunk of the season. Uh, we lost Leuven for a little chunk there as well. And and guys had had little injuries, you know, here and there. Um, and that happens definitely. But you want to limit the long term ones like that and the recurring ones. Um, my last thing I'll say is another thing tactically was in game management of subs. Um, I always kind of felt like subs were a little bit leaving some to be desired uh, in terms of not not like their impact. Sometimes it was them and, and did they make an impact or not? But also sometimes it just felt like it was a little bit too late. Uh, and I want to see a little more proactivity, I think, going into this year. And maybe that you can be doing that when you have a deeper bench. Maybe there's just more of a confidence thing there um, as well. But I did kind of feel like we were late to the game on that in a lot of these matches where they're coming on, but it's just not with much time to make much of an impact at this point. So um, those are some of my, my broader, I would say, lowlights. But Justin, you already brought us into this topic, so let, let's just hit it while we're here. We broke out this season, the regular season, into three chunks, and they make very a lot of sense. They're different durations, but um, basically chunk one, phase one, was Feb 25, so our first game against Austin through April 22nd when we then transitioned to the U.S. Open Cup. That was nine games. We went six, two, and one 
absolutely crushed it. Uh, 21 goals for 10 against uh, in those nine games. We beat all the early expectations. We saw Klaus emerging to be this rock star up front. Leuven, the composer behind the scenes. Berkey looking like he's totally earned that contract and that salary. Uh, people still, the pundits, they'll come back down to earth. They'll regress. They can't keep this up. Um, so they can shove it. Uh, but that first tier was just electric. Do you remember how much fun that was? It was insane. Oh, it was absolutely electric. But I will say, as you, it, it just made me chuckle when you said they could basically kick rocks, pound sand, whatever you want to say uh, nicely about this. But then, unfortunately, Jake, when we look at 429 to 715, 14 games there, we went 7 6 and 1. So we definitely came back down. And I will say, a lot of that is because we were out, we we're out, uh, we didn't have Joao Klaus. What was it? What, is it 19 games? That was it. Yep. He missed that entire chunk. Yep. Yes, it was absolutely absurd. And, and we kept talking about it. That was another thing. I, like, you kept telling me, like, oh, he's not going to come back until this date. And I'm like, no way, dude. Like, it literally said 10 to 14 days, and you were correct on that. And then also, you mentioned this about Rasmus Alm. Is he alive? I feel like <laughs> you, like, said that or thought about that human in years. I know. It's a bummer. Yeah, I know. He was low-key, I mean, out probably just as long as Klaus, just in different in different bits uh, for, for the season. But, yeah, so like you said, Justin – 429 to 715. So throughout the whole summer, then League's Cup for us. During that time, we went, you know, US Open Cup. We played the dual matches against Chicago. We saw AZ really emerge in the US Open Cup um, when he had a beautiful game against Union Omaha. We had a really tough stretch in June um, from 67 to 621 with three losses and a painful home draw against the Galaxy, if you remember that. And then we followed that up, though, by winning four out of five in the lead up to the League's Cup. And then League's Cup takes place. And that, so this next phase, um, is from August 20th to the last game before the playoffs. So 10, 21, 11 games there. We went four, four and three. So definitely our worst phase of the season. Um, obviously leagues cup didn't do much for us. Crew and club America just dispatched us. Uh, and, you know, we technically qualified for the playoffs looking back on it from a points perspective on August 20th. So at the very beginning of this phase three, we were already in the playoffs. That's that's obviously in hindsight. We didn't know that then. Our model would have told us that then. Um, but it's kind of sad to think about how poorly we've performed after that. Because after Austin, where we absolutely thrashed them here at home, we picked up 12 points in the final 10 games played. And we only scored two plus goals for once. And that was against Sporting. Um, you talk about limping into the playoffs and limping your way to the end of the season, we definitely did that. And I think, Justin, you and I tried to, you know, take some hits of the hopium and, and really try to turn this around and give some some positive spins on this. But it was a really rough way to end. It was extremely tough. And the one thing, and I do want to give you a lot of credit for this. We talked about it before the season. You're like, what is that line that you would typically expect to make playoffs? We kept saying 45. If you look at it, that was spot on. Anything, if you made the playoffs in a wild card, uh, Kansas City and San Jose each had 44 points. And then looking at the East, uh, New York and Charlotte had 43. But otherwise, if you actually made the playoffs without the wild card, you had to have at least 45 points. Which, so I did want to give you a quick shout out for that and congratulate you on that as well. But yes, we talked about it. I just, we almost limped into the playoffs and then got absolutely stomped. Um, and the one fact that I like to say on this one, Jake, is that we did not have a single game all season where we scored two goals and lost. We either tied or won every game where we scored two goals. And I think that really helped to show that we could clamp teams, put the defense on them. But I will say, but then we get blown out by a couple games, like Vancouver 3 nothing, And some of those, like, I mean, Club America, we got absolutely dusted. Do you remember yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Those guys are quick. That was insane. <laughs> really put this thing into perspective. Like, everybody's like, oh, what is this Club America team? Like, is this even going to be a good game? Like, because they thought we were going to blow them out. We got absolutely dusted. Yeah. It wasn't much of a game uh, at all. But um, let's uh, let's go into the recap of our predictions for the season. I want to do a whole episode on player ratings. I think we could talk a lot about the players and our thoughts on their performance this season because there's so many of them. And we, we were so fortunate to blood so many different players throughout the entire season and get meaningful minutes to. Um, so we'll, we'll save that for a topic here. But I do want to go back to um, our predictions for the season that we recorded in our 36th episode. I think we're now at like 100 plus well over that at this point um this is back in february so we have no knowledge of any meaningful games whatsoever and justin we put together um our predictions and, and in our predictions it was like superlative so we'll go into this in here in a second but some key questions that i asked us uh, and we answered live on this podcast was can younger or more inexperienced 
players develop and do first team contributors for us? Do we play with a collective kind of chip on our shoulder? I would say definitely yes to the first question. We had some young players that we leaned on very, very heavily. Um, we also had some guys that we thought had more experience that didn't really translate either, and we'll get into that. Um, but the chip on our shoulder, I think we showed that through that first phase, maybe even the second phase of the season. But I think it kind of fell off when we saw and reaped the rewards um, from being so quality, especially in that first part of the season. I don't know your thoughts on that. No, I definitely agree. And when it, you look at our age, I'm, I pulled up transfer market, and this is kind of – I'm going to ask you a quick question, Jake. Who do you – do you know who has – so we have Joao Klaus, Joaquin Nielsen, and Ido Luvin are our three most expensive guys based on transfer market. Our fifth is Roman. Do you know who's fourth ahead of Roman? Give you a hint. We're already talking about young guys. Ostrock? Mickey. Mickey's worth two mil. Wow. Mickey, 18 years old. So we were talking about young guys. Looking at him. I mean, Isak Jensen, I know we shipped him off. He's only yep. 19. Well, Indy's only 22. Blum's only 23. Like, we really relied pretty heavily on some of we these do. guys. And I know that we're, you already said we're going to talk about uh, more specifics on some of it and when we do play ratings. But the last thing I want to say on a little bit of a low light, did did Nokvi Thorson die? Like, what happened? Yeah. I I think he's more of a long-term play. I think that was one that they, you know, just had to throw him into the mixer in the beginning. And we needed guys out there and we needed something. Uh, but I do think that was more of a long-term move from Lutz and, and, and Carnell. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't throw his skill set or, or, or his appearance away just yet i think we have, we're going to see a lot more from him. he's he's here for a long-term contract um so they're they're thinking long term with him the other questions we, we asked were can this high can our high ceiling players deliver become our stars i think those high ceiling guys mostly did um roman berkey really comes to mind nilson jurek jury's still out i would say on that one um but i'd say klaus you'd see another guy has a high ceiling i think he really paid off there may be a couple exceptions there as well can we master our system I think we mastered it for the most part, but I think now our system needs to evolve uh, as well. So we, we've got kind of the first step down of let's just get a foundation. And I think now we need to build on that and start to branch out a little bit more. Um, so I think yes to that question. Is Carnell really capable at this level? Uh, I think he proved pretty much so. Uh, he should win coach of the year here. Uh, and yes, didn't go well towards the latter part, playoffs even. Uh, but I do think for the most part, he proved that he belongs at this level and he can do a lot with very little, I would say. No, I agree on that. And I guess one last highlight I want to say too, Jake, is did you see Lutz's uh, Instagram? I think he yep. posted it. Uh, oh, six hours ago. My favorite part about the entire thing, and Sam like clapping with the guys like after we lose Kansas City game, but two paragraphs in, he goes, it's important to remember that this is year one of a five-year plan. Yep. And he, yes, we were first teams out of schedule. We met our objectives, but that's never enough. And that just gives me so much excitement for this team moving forward. And you talked about it. I do think Bradley Carnell should win coach of the year. Um, with what he did and breaking so many records for us. But I just wanted to drop that little. No, I love it. I love it. I definitely think there's a lot more than just what we saw this season. I think that's why he's turned down interest already from overseas and other clubs, because he wants to see that plan, at least make it further towards that, um, that five-year mark. So our superlatives for the, for the guys this year, um, it, we found it obviously really tough. When we were picking all this because we still had no context um, of anyone's playing for city ever, um, but golden ball. So are really our MVP, for the year, I had put in here Ostrock, Leuven, and Nilsson. And I, I think Leuven's a fair candidate, for sure, of, of those three. Ostrock, I did not pan out this year. I'm still hoping that we can get more from him because I think we invested a good amount in him. And Nilsson, I want to give a full season before I really, like I said, the jury's still out for me. But I do think Leuven really came forth. I would say you'd probably throw Berkey and Klaus into that as well now, in hindsight. Yeah, so let's talk about this, Jake. We'll do it as we're kind of talking through what we projected. So we thought Ostrock, Luvid, and Nilsson. I would say, who is your actual winner like after the season? We'll talk about what our guesses were and what we would agree to be now. I think I think our golden ball is is absolutely Roman Berkey. I yeah, think 100%. Luvin is the one to have there. But like you take Luvin out, Luvin out of the team compared to taking Berkey out of this team, Yep, it's not even close to you think about it in that, in that way, in my opinion. And shout out to him. We didn't mention it yet, but he won goalkeeper of the year. We we you know plugged it on, on socials, but he did win that very deservedly. So golden boot. Um, so most goals for us this season. Uh, I had Klaus, Alm, and Joaquini. I think we were really close on this. If we had seen Alm for a full season, maybe he'd be in that conversation as well. Um, but I think we were really close there. I mean, you so I mean, looking at our goals, uh Joao and Nico both ended the season yep. with 10. Imagine if Joao had a full like he missed 19 yeah. games, but had 10 goals, like that's how you got to think about it. Unfortunately, Jake, no, we were off on all. He only had three goals. But, yes, I agree, though. He literally only played 
21 games and only started 13 of those. So give him another full season and being in it. But yeah, I mean, Joao and Nico, I would say are for obviously just numbers wise. But I will say if anybody was to get it, if it wasn't based solely on how many goals that you had in total, Sam Dinneran. The man played 18 games and had eight goals. And so I know Joao only played 19 games and had 10, but Nico played 32 and only had 10 goals. And not only, but I'm just saying when you look at it like a timestamp, yeah. you multiply Sam and Dinneran by two almost, he'd have 16. Joao by two, he'd have 20. So that's where if you kind of, if they played a full season, they would have easily kind of ran away with it. Yep, agree, agree. Uh, Golden Glove obviously went to Berkey. Lund only got in for one actual regular season game. Um, so very easy call there. I think we'll probably need to lean on a little bit more of a split next year because Berkey obviously looks super tired heading to that. And I don't know if Lund's that guy or if there's going to be someone else they bring in there. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, best really young player for us. I had put in here Owen O'Malley, who, if you remember, he was our draft pick uh, that I think we all have pretty high hopes for in terms of making some level of impact. It was a position of need at right. Um, and then I also had Aziel Jackson and Indy Vasilev. Um, very, very strong finish uh, on on that nomination category. Owen O'Malley, I don't know if he has a future w- with the club. I know we have an option that we can choose to pick up here uh, or not, but I, I have a feeling we, we might cut our losses there. Not that there was too much really at stake um, for us, but Jackson and Indy, incredible young players. Uh, Miggy Perez, I don't even think it's signed for us at the time here. Um, so that's why I didn't even put him here. But obviously, he had a great stretch uh, in the early part of the season as well. Yeah, we look at young players. I'm literally just looking at by age. I mean, Caden Glover had a little bit of a stint there. Yep. I'm excited looking forward for him. He is currently 16 years old, born in 2007. Miggy Perez, only 18. I agree. I think he started hot and then really fell off. Like, I don't even know if Miggy got minutes in the last, like, 10 nope. games of the season. So, nope. Jensen's only 19. I know we shipped him off. But I would say AZ for sure. Being only yep. 21 years old in the spark plug and – he really stepped up when we needed someone to step up. So I'd say between between him and Indy, I feel like Indy during the whole season was always kind of there, but AZ being that spark plug as we needed is probably for my opinion of our best really young player. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. And we had obviously most of our team is pretty young. So that's a good call out that this it's, it's tough because where do you draw the line at young versus really young, but breakout player. Oh, I had here two candidates and I put Blum and Vasilev and I honestly could put stock into both of those. I, I said breakout player and thinking about it more of this is going to be the platform for them to launch their career on. Leuven had already had a career in, in Germany. I'm not saying it was the best, but he already had a career. And I think you probably want to go to him in that. So that's why I didn't put him in this in, in the initial part. I put Blum because Blum was a pretty much an unknown quantity coming from South Africa. Uh, and we knew that he was good. Obviously, they were going to miss him on, on Kaiser Chiefs. Uh, but we knew that he also hadn't played in a big league like this yet. And we wanted to see how it translated. And I thought he was fantastic for the most part of the season um, when we did get him inactive. And I thought Endy again, had, had a great season as well. Uh, one of his best professional seasons, I would say, obviously he got a shot at that um, coming back to the men's national team picture um, for the under, under 23s. So I was super happy for him there. Yeah. I would say breakout player for me, at least on this season, I will say just because I didn't know a whole lot about him was Blum. And I know that, I know we have, we have some reserves about him on how, how the season kind of finished. I feel like he kind of dropped off there, but huge season for him getting called up to the uh, South African national team and um, being from all down there with those guys. So I would say in my opinion, who actually won it, it'd probably be Blum, but I will say Indy stepped up big time as well. And as we're looking at this shape, we kind of have Indy in all these things. Yeah, we do. I mean, that's because he's such a utility man. I mean, it's just, it's just, that's just how it is. Um, the last, the last two awards we have is just the filthiest player, the person that can just embarrass people. Um, I had Vaslev, Pedro, and Alm. So Pedro went out on loan, did not get many minutes at all this season. Um, Alm obviously suffered a lot of injuries. Uh, I think all of them pretty much abdominal um, for this season as well. But I, Indy is a pretty filthy player. He definitely put some guys on skates here and there. But I would say my, actual filthiest player like who i think has the best footwork for our team it's got to be celio it's got to be celio pompeo i mean the guy is absolutely master if any other name came out of your mouth i was gonna tell you you're wrong celio is by far the dirtiest guy and i I think it proved even at the end of the season he's still proving that in the last game versus uh, versus sporting so i would say for sure like any guy that i would absolutely crap my pants was coming at me it would be celio would be the one i'd be most scared of uh, you know who I'm not scared of coming at me? It would be like Tim Parker. So I was <laughs> filthiest guy of all time, Celio, least filthy, probably Tim Parker. And that's not a knock to him, just being a center back. Same with me. I can't, I can barely do a step over. So Celio, though, would probably do a rainbow around me and then knock, knock, wow, knock a absolute bike into the back of the goal anyway. So Celio is for sure the filthiest player. 
And you mentioned Tim Parker. Shout out to our defenders out there. The Thou Shall Not Pass Award. The entries for this one that we had in the early and the before the season were Parker, Nilsson, and Nerwinski. Um, it's kind of cheating because Parker's a former defender of the year. He was in this year's installment as well on the short list. Um, I, I think you have to go Tim Parker. I mean, he was obviously getting league accolades and attention towards that. I think he had his best professional season, especially from a goals output. Uh, the guy was just on the score sheet pretty frequently this year, which is awesome to see. But he was a leader. He was a great defender. He was a lot quicker than I think we expected him to be. Uh, but I, yeah, I, he's definitely, I think, our, our most stout defender thus far. Um, I, again, I want to see a full season of Nilsson before I really can confidently say like that's he's up. Right now, he's definitely our best defender in reference to Parker. But I could see Nilsson making a case for that next year. Oh, definitely. This is for sure a Tim Parker award, in my opinion. Not only just like you said, like cheating because he was in the like defender of the year. But think about it this way, Jake. Like we had a lot of different starting back lines. Parker was always in there. Like he, we have, we were changing right back, left back. Yara would hop in when Nilsson's out there. Hebert would hop in. I mean, we're looking at Nerwinski. We're looking at Akil Watts. We're looking at um, Markinick. We're looking at John Nelson um, earlier on in the year as well. But it was always Tim Parker at that right center back spot. So he's for sure our best defender, at least this season. I agree. I think going forward, it should be Joaquin Nielsen. Um, but we'll see how Tim does going next year as well. And then overall, I and I don't just I don't have yours here, but I'm sure you were pretty close to me in terms of what we expected in terms of a record this season. And I actually think I did pretty well. I had written down and said 14 uh, wins, 14 losses, and six draws. So a team that can win, a team that can also lose, and every once in a while they'll get a draw. And I said we'd so that's 48 points, and we'd sneak into the playoffs. Um, we ended up 17 wins, 12 losses, and five draws. So definitely better than what I said, but I wasn't that far off. And I think a lot of pundits would have given me a ton of crap for saying anything close to what I said. So I'm actually pretty proud of that. Yeah, Jake, I think I was I was pretty close as well. I'm pretty sure I said first in the West, 56 points. <laughs> I would say, and we talked about it, I think, in a lot, of other, a lot of these other like podcasts that had us on, they're like, oh, you guys are winning like five games. The MLS is tougher than what you think. I would like to tell them to kick rocks um, and obviously put hang this up in their room. Um, but I would say, I, I think I expected us to be wild card range. So like yep. 45 points, like we've talked about it. Like we just wanted to be in contention to make the playoffs, not even in contention to win the cup. But I think we obviously blew that completely out of the water. Yep. And so let, let's wrap into here. We were plus 5,000 in the West, by the way, for all you futures betters out there, that would have made a, a, a pretty, pretty penny. Um, the, the way we wrapped up our show for the season recap was what does success look like? And we layered it into a couple different things. We said one was demonstrating commitment to our playing style, recruiting based on that, and our overall view on soccer. Check. Uh, We said competition for roles and starting positions. I think there was great competition. We saw a lot of different faces this year. Um, Third, some high ceiling or high potential players prove their worth. I think we saw that. Maybe we could see a little bit more of that, uh, but I think we definitely saw some of that. Um, Fourth, what, what do the fans want to see? Goals. We scored a load of them. Um, that's definitely a check mark. And then challenging for a playoff spot, we got our money's worth there. Obviously, didn't get our money's worth in the playoffs, uh, but clinching the top seed in the West was something that not many, if any, people would have predicted. Um, so I think overall, we did okay on, on the season preview. I, I'm, I'm curious to see how we'll fare with a year under our belt now. Um, but all in all, you know, a fun year to look back on. And honestly, I think we were we were very optimistic heading into it. But in hindsight, rightfully so. Yeah, I'll say when you say like some high ceiling or high potential players and, and you talk about we saw so many faces. I we got to find this stat when we go and do the more specifics on like player ratings for the season. But like we had to have had the most or like the most amount of lineup changes in the entire season. Oh, I think yeah. that's Lucas's favorite thing. I think we started the same team twice in the entire season, which is just absolutely absurd. Just for highs and lows of guys and how they're playing with form or injuries. So I would say we got so many guys involved. Um, that was extremely helpful. And I really thought that was going to help us as we would go into the playoffs and have more legs. Um, like I think LAFC right now is actually going to be running on fumes with the amount of games that they play, but we had so many different guys come in and play games. It was extremely exciting to see. And obviously very easy for us to talk about a team like this, but overall just an incredible first season for the podcast and for the team. 
Amen. Amen. And what a great closing there, Justin. So there will be another installment of this, but focused on players. We'll, we'll pull out the report cards, pull out the highlighters and, and, and take to it um, and have some fun here. So uh, join us all for that coming up here. But this has been our recap of the season and all the themes and storylines that went through um, this season. I'm sure you've missed some things and we'll definitely circle back to it, but we'll hit the players in a full episode here. Um, but it's, a, it's great being back with you all. Uh, it's been a week now since our, our dismissal uh, from this MLS season. But uh, we miss you all, and we'll definitely be back for another episode here coming out here soon. In the meantime, go get your tickets on Wednesday to Hope for the Holidays presented by Ball Watching. It's going to be a fantastic event, and we will put out as much as we can so you all know all the details and can go get your tickets in time. Yeah, it's going to be an incredible cause. I feel like we appreciate everybody coming up to us. And I do want to say a quick thank you, Jake, to the fans as well. So anybody that could see us at the games that come up and are people, I see people like Cardinals game. Like, are you, are you Justin on ball watching? <laughs> I, like, like, I mean, it was extremely nice for them, but if you guys just want to hang out with us, get some drinks. Oh, for the holidays. It's going to be an incredible night. Uh, Monday, December 11th, go buy your tickets. It's going to be awesome. I promise. Awesome. Well, thank you all for tuning in today. Feel free to throw us a like and subscribe. Follow the show. Favorite. Um, show us some love. It's been a long season, um, but we're here for it. We're super excited uh, about what's to come and, and what has just transpired. And we're glad that you all are along for the ride. Um, everyone have a great rest of your week of your week. We'll catch you all soon. Not exactly sure when yet, but you'll definitely catch us on Wednesday for the release of these tickets. So go get yours. Hope for the holidays. It's coming. You better be there. And for now, we're all for City. All for city. Thank you.